Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, everybody? The No Huddle Show. I am Elliot Shore Parks here with Zach. And Zach... Before we get into football, I learned something about you today. You want to know what it is? What's that? My man Skype email is sports rules with a, <laughs> with with a Z. Note the Z at the end. Sports rules <laughs> 01. So, if anybody questioned out there, Zach, if you know you really love sports, if you're really into this job, we have the proof. So I'm here. I'm Elliot, and I'm here with sports rules. So are you ready? And, I, and I've had that. And I've had that since 2001, as you can tell in the title. So you've been about that life for a long time. So we all know, we all know two things now, which is Zach loves sports and football. At least preseason football is back with the Eagles playing their preseason opener on Thursday night. Caught the L, 31 to 14 to the Steelers. You know, a lot of times over. Exactly, the season is over. But a lot of times with uh, preseason games, you know, obviously the score doesn't matter. But I do think you can leave the game feeling encouraged about the team, or you know seeing some holes and I think that although yes 31 to 14 maybe wasn't indicative of how the game was how how far apart these two teams were last night I do not think the Eagles overall played well as a unit yeah I think that's pretty obvious but I mean uh, this I mean this is generally obvious with preseason but they didn't start the game out with most of their first team offense a lot of guys were out more than maybe we even expected and then the starting offensive unit played like a series maybe two some of the guys and then the defense they came out and kind of they looked really dominant in that first series I think Fletcher Cox got a sack right away uh they kind of shut the Steelers offense down pretty quickly and then as those guys kind of shuffled out you could kind of see it again like going a little downhill when it's like a lot of the young guys who had never played before right and I I think that although you you know although I do love raising the red flag but although you never really want to after one game like here here's the question is it time to become a little bit concerned about all these players sitting out games? I mean, Nick Foles has, uh, you know, he said he was having, I think it was neck spasms, which which kept him out um, of practice this week and then out of the game last night. Uh, Zach Ertz, you know, has been in another practice. It just seems like, although when you look at, like, you know, team rehab and all those guys last year that uh, suffered injuries. It seems like they're doing really well. They are the Eagles as a team are kind of starting to rack up. You know, maybe not serious injuries overall, but you like you said last night. Um, you know, no Jason Peters, uh, no Brandon Graham, no Alshon Jeffrey, no Carson Wentz, no Nick Foles. Um, not that he's on this level, but no Donnell Pumphrey, uh, no, no Aguilar, no a- yeah, no Aguilar. Um, I'm Darren Sproles didn't play. Um, so. I don't think it's you know a huge deal, but I think maybe underrated type thing no one's talking about is how many players are kind of just like sitting out. Now, do you think that's a concern, or do you think this is Doug just kind of taking it easy on a team that played 20 games last season and really didn't you know start their off season until you know close to the end of February when you take into account the parade and all that type of stuff? I certainly think he is taking it easy, but I also think. We're getting to the point where we're we're getting close to where it becomes a concern. I I know a lot. There's a lot of returning guys, but there are a lot of new guys, 
and th- this team does have to learn how to gel again together. You know, they got used to playing with Nick Foles at the end of last season. It's been a while since they played with Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of these injured guys. You know, they're going to be coming back over the course of the next four weeks and longer. And I mean, at, at some point, I, I don't I don't think chemistry is necessarily an issue, but maybe flow. Uh, in the early on would be an issue if all these guys keep sitting out because there's a lot of new guys not playing with each other. A lot of all the injured guys who missed last year are trying to get incorporated back in. And I I just think they, they haven't had like not even necessarily their whole team. They haven't even had most of their team together for a lot of the training camp and now into the preseason. So I don't think it's going to turn yet. If they if they keep on missing practices, then I think it becomes a concern. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance that Carson Wentz and this Eagles offense could head into week one with only having like three or four practices with with Wentz, Alshon, Mike Wallace, Zach Ertz, Jason Peters, and all those guys on the field. So, you know, this we'll have plenty of time to talk about it um, prior to week one, but that was one of my takeaways from last night, was just how kind of banged up this team is, and everyone focuses so much on Wentz that I think maybe we're missing the bigger picture here, which is there's a lot of key players on this team that that are banged up. But, all right, my second thing I want to get into – um, before we're, we're going to play a game of stock up, stock down, because obviously that's the biggest thing that happens on in these preseason games. Players hurt their chances or, or help their chances of making the roster. But the big story last night, uh, Nate Sudfeld. Um, coaches have talked all off season about how they really want to, you know, they've been excited to see him play. You know, he obviously been getting a ton of reps in practice with Wentz and now Foles missing some time. I have a lot of opinion on the Nate Sudfeld thing, how he played, what they should do with some that type of that type of thing. What you, what was your initial thoughts about Nate Sudfeld last night? I mean, I think we kind of saw what we've been seeing for a while. Um, I, you know, he had a bad interception early in the game, which he missed, which he admitted to. He had some bad misses early, especially early on, but some throughout the game. He played the first half, I believe, is all he played. But uh, you know, then he also flashed some of his potential and why they kept him around as a developmental prospect and. And the, you know he had that awesome deep throw to Shelton Gibson. He had, he had a really good play when he when he threw it to Dallas Goddard in the in the in the red zone when he evaded a sack. He showed a little athleticism, and then he found him in the in the end zone for a 15-yard touchdown. You know when he shows stuff like that, you can see what the Eagles see in him. But also, you know, he's clearly not ready to like take over in a pinch. Like he he's not ready to be Nick Foles yet from last year. And not that he should be. You know, he's in his second year. He's a guy that this time last year was you know, on the Redskins and then he was cut by them and put on their practice squad and found his way onto the Eagles. And this is kind of one of his first like real games with the Eagles right now. So I, I think he still has a long way to go, but I, I saw a lot of promise last night was my big takeaway. Yeah. I think the thing with Nate Sudfeld is strictly from a talent standpoint, I think he's probably a more talented quarterback than Nick Foles because let's remember, yes, Nick Foles played, maybe two of the best games a quarterback has ever played in franchise history in that championship game and in the Super Bowl. But overall, Nick Foles is extremely inconsistent. You never know what you're going to get from him week to week. Um, you know, he, go through, he goes through stretches where he looks great, but he also goes through stretches where, like last season prior to the playoffs, where you know, you're, you're thinking that you're never going to win with this guy. But I think Nate Sudfeld can do some things that Nick Foles can't. And I think what you saw that last night, um, you know, you talk about like just a quarterback prospect. 
Uh, I thought he looked better than all of the Steelers quarterbacks last night. I know Joshua Dobbs had that really nice touchdown throw. I think it was about 35 yards or so. He he had his moments. But when you look at Sudfeld, he stands 6'6", really strong arm, uh, very mobile. As, as you mentioned on that touchdown pass he had to Dallas Goddard, sidestepping the pressure. And then what I really liked about that play too was not only did he sidestep the pressure – and he moved, he moved up in the pocket, and he didn't just run. He kept his eyes down the field. And people who have been listening to this podcast for a long time know that's a big thing for me. Sam Bradford was never good at it, and it's something Carson Wentz does at an elite level very early on in his career. So to see that from Sudfeld, to see him kind of try to keep the play alive throwing as opposed to just ducking and running, I thought was extremely encouraging. Talking about his arm, I mean, that touchdown pass to uh, Shelton Gibson, Gibson kind of gets all the, the headlines there just because of you know all the struggles he's had in training camp. But that was an amazing throw. I mean, right in stride, over his shoulder, right, in, you know, right over his shoulder into his hands. You couldn't have thrown that ball any better. And it wasn't an easy throw. I mean, it was maybe, I don't know, 45, 50, if not more yards in the air. So it was, it was, a, it was a very, very – kind of showed off his arm strength. So you can definitely see the tools there that Sudfeld has. But – and I feel like a broken record at times because I talk about it so much on Twitter and, uh, you know, I write about it. But the key word, as you mentioned, too, is, is just consistency. Sudfeld is just not consistent yet. You saw that last night with, yes, he had his highlight plays, but the two interceptions he threw, uh, the first one was just an ugly read. He admitted that right into double coverage. Really, two guys could have picked it off. I mean, the, the receiver had no chance at it. The second one, he blamed Treggs. And, you know, if Treggs runs a run route, that's kind of hard on Sudfeld. But at the end of the day, interception is interception. And he had two in two quarters. So, again, like you mentioned, when you say moving on from Foles, I agree that the Eagles probably are not ready to move on from Foles. I've, I've gone back and forth a little more than I thought, considering the turnover Sudfeld has. Because I do think that if, you know, Sudfeld had to go in, I don't think the season would be over. But when you take into account the uh, playoff experience, you know, obviously that Foles has, and the fact Sudfeld's never even started a game. I just think Sudfeld's not there yet. He he's not even polished enough as a prospect to be ready. So, you know, I mean, I would I would take you agree, right? At this point, it's going to be tough for them to, uh, you know, kind of justify moving Foles for making Sudfeld their top backup. Yeah, you know, I I think I'd get a lot more confident in his ability to do that. If like over the course of these four, because he's going to get a lot of snaps in this preseason. It it might be a full half each week. He probably should get all that. If he shows consistency and he shows improvement in the areas he's struggling, you know, it's not going to be perfect. But if he if he keeps going on the upward track that then maybe you start thinking about if Foles is on the block a little more and they're willing to take a little less for him. I mean, it's going to be I think that's kind of a storyline to to follow in the preseason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but again, I just think. And I'm not saying you disagree with this, but man, like having a quarterback that's six six that moves like him with an arm like him, yeah. um, you know, it it is definitely an impressive set of tools the Eagles have to work with as they develop him to probably be their long term backup. Um, you know, as long as he's in Philadelphia. So the other biggest takeaway for me was simply a devastating one. After I've really, you know, been on team team Donnell Pumphrey all off season, I've said. I think that, you know, he's looked really good. Don't fans shouldn't write him off yet. Doesn't play last night, which was just, it just yeah, it just really felt like, man, this is just this is just what it's going to be with this guy because he's looked so good in training camp practices. He's had a few bad two bad drops this past week, but overall I thought he's looked really good. 
weighs more than he did last year. Coaches seem to be really impressed with the strides he's taken. Then doesn't play. I mean, Doug says, I believe he said it was a lower body injury he suffered earlier in the week. Not a good thing for Donnell. What are, I mean, is this it for him? Or do you think, you not to sound dramatic, but do you think, I mean, can he bounce back? Or is this just kind of the beginning of the end? Well, it's been all downhill since he tweeted at you. I, yeah, that's right. Come at me. You better, you better not miss, man. Like, that's probably where he got hurt. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think, you know, I think he was slightly helped by the fact that Wendell Smallwood went in there and, you know, he looked okay, but he didn't look great because I think that's the main guy he's competing against. Uh-huh. But I, 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 he didn't help himself by not playing. And the longer he's out, the less of a chance he has of making the team. And just watching last night, I mean, I'm I'm almost convinced that Josh Adams is the most talented guy out of those three guys battling for. It. I don't know if they would give an undrafted guy the job, mm-hmm. though they were willing to last year with Corey Clement. But if he doesn't play next week, then I'm 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 pulling him off my 53 man roster proje- projection. So I already pulled him off. It was an emotional decision, but I had to pull him <laughs> off. I'm not saying he couldn't go back on, but as of now, he is off. Yeah. But I think the thing that stood out to me with Josh Adams, or at least with the guys that actually played. Like man, he picks up yards at a hurry with that long stride. I mean, when he when he gets yard run at first carry. Yeah, like and, and it seems like it took him like four steps to do it. I mean, the guy like six three. I I can't remember if I said this on the last podcast, but I know we talked about it on the sideline at practice. He like in a weird way, body wise, reminds me of Nigel Bradham. It's like watching Nigel Bradham run with the ball, only like a mm. little. I go obviously I think he's probably faster than Nigel Bradham, but I mean he just looks huge out there when he he gets going. And you know, as you mentioned, a fifteen yard run finishes the game with six carries for thirty yards. Uh, I think he really helped himself. And, you know, t- talk about guys going on two different paths. I mean, Donald Pumphrey, the arrow was pointing up at the start of training camp. Josh Adams, it was pointing down. I mean, he didn't play all off season due to the, sh- the fracture in his foot. He, uh, you know, was in and out of practice, missed the first day of, um, you know, the physical contact in training camp. But, uh, no, I mean, his arrow was pointing up. And, you know, you, I'm excited for you to t- partake in this when tra- when cuts down when cuts come because every year it's like they can't cut this guy because he won't make it through waivers <laughs> and they won't get the tr- you know like every year right like there's always a running yeah. back. But I don't know. I mean, if he you know six six carries for 30 yards isn't going to make any teams cut somebody to pick him up. But I do think the way he's playing more recently that there's a possibility by the time we get to week at the end of you know the fourth preseason game we're saying realistically, if you cut this guy, he might not make his throw. Yeah, you know, and I know it was just one game and only 30 yards and don't need to go crazy about it, but you watch the way he runs and the way he looks and you you just kind of wonder why he went undrafted. Like, I I, I never understand that. I guess maybe I'm overanalyzing it, but he just looks like a guy that should have been drafted. Maybe it was the injury that kept him out all of the spring and Mm -hmm. and some of training camp. Maybe that was like that came up in his medicals or something, but I I just don't get it. Like he he looks like a legit running back right now. And that's the thing about the Eagles, you know, running back too. Ajayi might not be back in 2019. Darren Sproles yep. likely going to retire after this season. So I do think they'll have incentive to keep him around. The good news though for the Eagles, when you're kind of looking at that 53 man roster, I think they keep 13 uh, receivers, running backs, and tight ends. So some combination that mm. leads to 13. Um, I think there's five receivers you're definitely keeping, and Alshon, uh, Aguilar, uh, Mike Wallace, Matt Collins, who just continues to disappoint, didn't have a catch. In <laughs> yeah, he didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, you know, that that we could do a whole podcast on him, and then uh, <laughs> and then Shelton Gibson. So those are your five. You're going to have three tight ends, 
Um, you know, and obviously Ertz, Goddard, and Richard Rodgers. So you could keep five running backs if you want. And the thing about the running back situation is, yeah, you have those top three, but you could even make an argument like no one's in the lead for the fourth spot. So maybe Josh Adams is. And then you could yeah. even keep, the, keep a fifth if you wanted over a sixth receiver. So the Eagles certainly have the ability to keep guys. Like, they're, 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 there's not enough guys having a great camp where there's going to be tough cu- cuts at that position. But the guy, I think, like, maybe we're all just blinded by the fact that he hasn't, you know, had a huge role since he's been here. But Wendell Smallwood, I mean, got into the game last night. After, I guess he was the third running back that got in since Sproles didn't play, but he would have been the fourth if everyone was active. Um, again, can, can return kicks. Uh, he has a kick return on his resume in the NFL. Knows the offense. Um, com- converted a two-point conversion last night. Like, Are we overlooking the fact that he might have a legit chance of making this roster? Yeah, I, I think he has a le- – I'd even say if I'm predicting like right now, I, he, you know, I could see them keep him five and he – him and Josh Adams are the fourth and the fifth because they, they kind of trust Smallwood more than they trust Pumphrey. Right. Uh, but it's, it's kind of, I mean, he, he's not as bad as Isaac Samalo, but it, it kind of feels like the thing where like, all right, well, he knows our offense and he's been around a while. So he, he's good enough to stay around here, but I'm not convinced he's actually all that good is the main thing. Cause he hasn't really shown much when given the opportunity, but yeah, I mean, you, you want guys who can go out there and not make a whole lot of mistakes uh, and I, that's why I think they like him, and that's why they gave him a lot of touches last night, and he's gotten a lot of touches in camp too. Yeah, and that's the thing about you know deciding between, I guess, a fifth running back and a sixth receiver. Like, the receivers, I mean, I guess because there's a you know, bit of an injury concern just because Alshon will be coming off that shoulder injury, but, but you're going to have Ertz and Goddard as two of your main receivers as well, and maybe even Richard Rodgers. So when you talk about a sixth receiver, like where is realistically that guy going to get any targets and I don't think if you well I should take it back I think if Marcus Wheaton gets released there's a chance he gets picked up but you know maybe a fifth running back just has more value for you right now in terms of not risking Josh Adams and then keeping a guy like Smallwood that if Sproles were to go down you know he can return kicks you know I mean it's not like the Eagles running backs with the Jai and Sproles are the most yeah you go into that season feeling they're both going to play 16 games I mean Sproles coming off a bad injury a Jai's knees you know, we've talked about that at length. So I could see how keeping a fifth running back would make some sense. But one last thing that I actually wanted to get into before we do up and uh, stock up, stock down. Sidney Jones last night um, played, like, I don't want to say the whole first half, but definitely into the second quarter. Got a ton of reps at nickel. I think it was like 14 snaps total. That's it? I think I, I, I saw somebody tweet that. I'm not sure. I can't like, confirm that's 100% accurate, but I'm pretty sure he played 14 snaps or 15. Wow. Well, it seems like he played a lot more than the other guys. So, I mean, it seemed like he was in there a lot longer considering he's a starter. What did you think of what you saw from him last night? And do you think the nickel job is basically his at this point? Yeah, I think it pretty clearly is his. It seemed like the pecking order was him and then later Bosby came in. Like, throughout camp, they've been splitting the reps there. But, uh, you know, he looked fine. I mean, I, I don't know that enough happened for him to, like, make a huge impact or anything. But, you know, he... He was the first eagle to fall victim to the new uh, tackling rule. He, had, he put his helmet and his head down and got a flag, uh, and then he got then he got he left the game getting banged up with an ankle. Uh, I mean, ideally, he's going to get through a, his first real NFL game with complete health, yeah. so the te- so everybody doesn't have to get scared every time he goes out there. But yeah, I think pretty clearly he'll be their number one guy uh, at slot. I mean, if not. 
they if not putting him on the outside when he comes in and they put Jalen Mills on the on the inside. I think that seems like the path they're going on. Yeah, and he said last night after the game it was kind of like a low ankle sprain. He understands why people were worried, but he was fine. I saw him walking. He had it, it was wrapped, but he looked fine. I don't think that that's anything to be concerned about. Um, I agree with you. I think he's going to be the third corner. I think that's really the way it was always going to go. The idea that Bosby was going to beat out Sidney Jones for a job <laughs> was just <laughs> I mean, you know, I maybe I'll go back and look at what I wrote and hopefully I didn't play into it too much. I'm, I'm sure I probably did, but the idea was just silly. I mean, Sidney Jones is probably the most talented corner on this roster and, you know, they used a high second round pick on him. So he was going to play. Um, all right. So before we get into stock up, stock down, I just realized I did not plug that people should subscribe. So if you're listening on this, on to, to this podcast on YouTube, we really appreciate it. If you're listening to this for the first time on uh, any on your podcast app, we appreciate you listening, but go ahead and hit that subscribe button. This way you get the episodes as soon as they come out. We always have a post-game pod. We're going to have three per week for you. Um, and as the season goes on, you know they'll be up basically right after the game. So make sure you subscribe. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spreaker, and Spotify. And when you do... Please leave a uh, you know leave a comment with a question. We love to answer your guys' questions. You know, it gives us something else to talk about. Unfortunately, two reviews this week, no questions. I did appreciate the kind words in the reviews. Um, you know, but leave, leave some questions next week. Give us some stuff to talk about. So, all right, now that I got that out of the way, let's do some stock up, stock down. Here's how this is going right. to work. All right, I'm gonna say, well, I'm gonna give you a name. You tell me if you think after last night their stock is up, their stock is down, and then we can. You know, I'll like tell you why you're right or wrong, I guess. Um, and then you you can go. So, do you want me to give you a name first, or do you want to go first? I'll go first. You'll go first. All right, hit me. Yeah, we'll start light. I'll start with uh, punter Cameron Johnston. Ooh. Okay. Well, normally talking about a punter is not the most exciting thing, <laughs> but punters. I mean, as we've said, big big role on this team. Obviously, you can't hide a bad punter. I think you can make the argument he went into last night. Maybe besides Nate Sudfeld, and actually probably more, with more pressure on him than anyone else on the roster. Because even if he kicks really great, like he is, as with most punters in the league that aren't extremely established, always one game away from being released. So he goes into last night fighting for his job, and I thought he did great. I mean, obviously he had the 81-yarder which was extremely impressive. Even though it was called back, it was still an amazing kick. I think he pinned him on punts inside the 23 times. Uh, average around 50 or so yards a punt. Didn't really shank any. I think there was might have been one that he shanked a little to the left. But overall, I think, you know, after kind of like a lot of panic being raised during the uh, first weeks of training camp about how he's looked, um, I think his stock definitely up uh, after last night. Yeah, I think that was pretty obvious. When I, it's funny, you and I kind of looked at each other during practice this week, and he, and he punted one. We're like, was that good? Like, how do we tell? Because yeah, they, they, the coaches, you just you can't really pay any, almost can't pay attention to punters in practice because it just doesn't matter. Because if they if they punt it five times in a row, seventy yards in practice, if they come out and shank three punts, then they're going to get cut. So right. he went out there. He had that eighty-one yard punt that got taken back. But I think I don't know if the press box was more excited than when that happened. And I think it was like seventy-five yards in the air. Like it was it was ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, I think he's in pretty good shape. Okay, I'll, I'll, this is a tough one, and I know it's tough because you kept saying last night you could decide if he was having a good game or not. Stock up, stock down, Rasul Douglas. 
I knew you were going to say that. Um, I'll I'll go stock down. Uh, I mean, it was a mix. It was a mixed bag. It's probably closer to the middle than down. But he had that really impressive interception. I will give him credit for that. He, you know, he 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 was like uh, like a few yards behind the receiver was going to, and he broke towards the ball and like got in front of the receiver and got it, which is really athletic and impressive. Right. But he also had two pretty bad touchdowns he gave up where he was in the wrong position whether he was going for an interception that he shouldn't have or he just wasn't positioned correctly so you know what one was on a deep throw down the sideline and then the other one was in the end zone it was an impressive catch it would have been tough to defend anyway but if he had been in better position i think it would have been fine and and i as a cornerback you know the, the tough part you know i think jalen mills goes through this base that they might have like every single play is good besides plays like for that but the, the reality of the cornerback position is when you mess up, you, you tend, tend to give up a touchdown or a very long play. Right. So as, as a young guy, he has to be a little more consistent with that, especially because, you know, he's one injury away from being a starter like he was last year. Yeah, and the thing with that touchdown he gave up to uh, Juju Smith-Schuster in the first half was when I saw the ball go up and I saw where Rasul was positioned, I thought it was going to be an interception because last year he did a great job playing the ball in the air, in my opinion. Um, he's always been a guy, especially even, I mean, his whole career, but in training camp this year, you know, he makes plays, he comes up with the ball, he has a knack for it. Um, so I was just shocked when he just flat out mistimed his jump. Maybe it looked, I mean, he might have slipped a little bit, but I really didn't think, um, you know, Juju was going to come down with that ball. But in the defense, I'll say of Rasul, I mean, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, I don't know where he ranks among best receivers in the league right now, but coming off a really, you know, good season last year, I definitely... Oh, he's good. Yeah, he's very good. So it's not like, you know, he he gave up uh, a long touchdown pass to some scrub. I mean, this was a starter on the Steelers' offense that's going to play a ton. Rasul's not going to be a starter. Rasul is, is a backup as of now. Um, still not great. Uh, but I do think, like you mentioned, the interception extremely impressive it shows why what makes Rasul so intriguing uh big guy that's able to have a really quick first step when he's making a cut towards the ball read it perfectly came away with it stock up stock down like you said is difficult I I tend to lean up for some reason just because I thought the interception was that good and the second touchdown as you mentioned um really really impressive catch by the Steelers receiver uh, I mean, if I remember correctly, he kind of like turned, you know, shifted his body in midair to come down with it. And I'm not even 100% sure it was Rasul's fault. It looked like he, maybe he peeled off by it, like someone else peeled off and shouldn't have. Or, so I thought it was a little uh, confusion. Okay. But I uh, overall, I'm going to go up for Rasul. But as you said, I think this is one of the true ones where, although I hate going down the middle on a take, I think this is pretty much as down the middle as you could get. But I'm going to lean up. So, all right. All right. Who, who you got next? <laughs> All right, let's see. Uh, stock up, stock down. Uh, let's see. I'll I'll go. I'll go with an interesting one. Uh, Jordan Mailata. All right. I think stock up, and here's why I say that. Because oh, okay. first play, obviously not great. I think it was maybe his maybe the second snap he was in the game. Um, Steelers defensive end gets by him. Uh, you know, strips uh, Joe Callahan of the ball. Here, here's what I'll say though. One, Joe Callahan did a really bad job recognizing the pressure, didn't move up at all, and was basically just a sitting duck back there. Yes, my, you know, Jordan Mylotta got beat, but I thought Callahan deserved some of the criticism for that. After that, though, I mean, you know, considering it wasn't just his first NFL game, it was his first football game ever, like, literally <laughs> first time ever. You know, he didn't look like he didn't belong. I mean, you know, he's a third-string guy. Like, third-string guys, even if they played – 
and Alabama for four years sometimes struggle when you first start in the NFL. So I think when you looked at what he did in, again, his first football game, I think they should be pretty encouraged by what they saw. Um, very clear he's a work in progress, though. You know, I mean, this isn't a guy you can put in an NFL game anytime soon in terms of going against actual starting caliber defensive ends. But I had stocked down on my report last last night after the game. I'm changing it. Had a night's sleep on it. I'm going stock up. For uh, for Malata. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, it, it was pretty bad that first play, but he he looked better last night, I'd say, than he even has like when we watched him in training camp. Yeah, uh, and I think it, pr- it probably says a lot about his freakish athleticism that this was his first ever football game. Like he's literally never been put in this position before, and for the most part, he held his own. Uh, this kind of from it kind of feels like a down the middle one for me, but I guess I'll go stock up too. There you go. Lean, lean positive. Because in case you didn't know, the Eagles won the Super Bowl last season. In case you're not. Oh rem- wow, that's crazy. In case you're not reminded of that every single time you criticize. All right, <laughs> this one, complex one a little bit, but linebacker Nate Geary. Hmm. You know, he started the he started at a weak side linebacker, and he got I think he got more reps than all the I mean definitely more than Corey Nelson, who seems like he's more likely to get cut than make the team at this point. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of crazy to think about since they signed him and talked him up like he was going to compete to start. And didn't but, they uh, sign him? Am I wrong in thinking they signed him within like the first three days? Yeah, it was like right away. Right. It might have even been the first day, right? I think it might have been the first day, yeah. And then he came in, the press conference said they told him that he'd have a chance to start, and then they cut Michael Kendricks a couple of days later right. or uh, during the OTAs. So, uh, hold on. Not, but, to yeah. off, not to get on a tangent on Corey Nelson, but the one thing – I do agree with you. I think that he is fighting for a roster spot – but then I go back and forth because I just would be very interested to know how many free agents get signed the first day of tra- first day of, you know first day or two of free agency and end up being released. Like I would think the number is not very high. If they if they prioritized him, you know, went after him right away and got him, I would just kind of be surprised. Although I agree, he it's basically like he's not even on the team. Like you never see him do anything yeah. in team drills. Last night, like I was pretty sure he played but when i looked at the stats like <laughs> you know i mean he just like you just never see him whereas other linebackers yeah. do so agreed with you on that i think side note we both think his stock's down but go ahead with what you were saying about uh nick gary yeah you know he, i think gary's looked pretty good in training camp uh he's a converted safety he's bulked up he's got pretty good athleticism but i'd say based on last night uh, I'd say stock down. I mean, he didn't really show much of anything. And, and uh, on the flip side, you know, he's battling for that starting job in Camus Gruger Hill, right? Because the PA announcer kept saying it weird. Is it Gruger? Yeah. Well, as t- as a fellow team hyphen, I can understand the difficulty. But, yeah, no, <laughs> I think it's Camus Gruger Hill. So. Okay, because the PA announcer kept saying Gruger or something. So I was really confused. Yeah. But, uh, you just want to call but, him uh, Camus, that's fine. We can just go with him. Yeah, okay, Camus. Uh, but he looked – like clearly a like more talented player last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his stock is up. I mean, we're doing three linebackers at once, I guess. But he, right. I think his stock is clearly up. He was he has sideline to sideline athleticism. Uh, he made a, a tackle for loss uh, at one point that was really impressive. And Gary just didn't stand out. And in the preseason, when you're fighting for a job, I know it's it's a job that doesn't necessarily even play that much once the season will start because they run in the nickel a lot. Mm-hmm. But Whoever wins that job is probably going to start alongside Jordan Hicks week one with Nigel Bradham injured. And uh, I just don't know if Nate Gary's ready for that lo- kind of load yet because it's, it's like he's still kind of learning the position. Yeah, so 
to add a fourth linebacker to this discussion. I didn't think Joe Walker. <laughs> I didn't think Joe Walker had a good night last night either. Did he even play? Like I, I was trying to remember if he played when I was doing some of my stuff after the game. Yeah, he definitely played, but I, I'm he didn't register a sack. I mean, not a sack. He didn't register a stat. Tackle. Yeah, stat. Yeah. yeah, so he didn't play great. But um, I agree that the reason I think the stock is down on Nate Carey is because of how well Camus Gruger Hill played. I mean, led yeah, the team with exactly. six tackles. Um, really just flash that athleticism. I mean, he kind of looked like Kendrick's out there at, a, at certain times, just his ability to get to the sideline, bring a running back down. I really think he's going to be extremely helpful in coverage, um, you know, when the Eagles need him to. Uh, Jordan Hicks is very good in coverage, but again, like, the guy's always hurt. So, um, you know, you probably want someone else running, you know, running down those tight ends 15, 20 yards down the field consistently, especially with how much tight ends. And I know Malcolm does it a lot for them. But, um, you know, especially with how much tight ends is a big part of the passing game in the NFL these days. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, stock down. So we'll just go through it. Stock down on Gary. Stock down on Nelson. Stock down on Joe Walker. <laughs> only winner of the night, our boy Camus. Um so linebacker group not looking great right now, basically. Not, look, not looking great. The good news is, you know, well, except for week one, they're going to have Bradham and Hicks in theory. So, you know, might not end up mattering to Corey Nelson stocks down. But, all right, I gave you Nate Gary, so you go now. Obviously can't be a linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> I think we covered every linebacker right. besides Asante Brown at this point. Uh, let's see. Uh, stock up, stock down. I'll say, uh, let's see. I'll go – there's there's a few that are, like, obvious, but I guess we, we should talk about Dallas Goddard. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. So, obviously, both stock up. Um, yeah. If you threw it at me, I'll go, I'll go first. Uh, I mean, the guy is just going to be really good. Like, I got into it with people on Twitter this week because I said Zach Ertz is the best tight end in the NFL, which – Yeah, I know. I saw you. I saw you batting with some people about yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, yeah, I get that Gronk's had a better career, but I think going into next season, if I was – Picking a team for one season or for, you know, franchise mode, I would pick Zach Ertz. So I think he's the best tight end in the NFL. And fun fact, more catches, yards, and touchdowns over the last two seasons than Gronk. So it's definitely That's a discussion. probably has more to do with injuries than skill, though. But that, inju- that, but health, that, is that, a, health is a skill. Best ability is uh, availability. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, but here's my point I'm making. Zach Ertz may be the best tight end in the NFL. Like... I think by week four, we'll be discussing, like, Goddard is already a top ten tight end in the NFL. I mean, his ability to, to – I know he had the drop last night, but when you combine what I've seen with him in training camp what I saw last night, like, the guy just basically catches almost everything thrown his way. And um, his ability to adjust the ball in there is very special. And last night you saw that, like – if Ertz were to go down, they have a serious upgrade this year over Trey Burton. And Trey Burton played well last year. I mean, five touchdowns as a backup is really good when you consider all of that basically came in two games. So I just think Goddard is going to be such a big part of this offense. And you talk about the red zone package they're going to be able to run with Ertz, Goddard, and Alshon. I mean, three really big physical bodies that have been proven in the red zone. And fun fact, last year, that I'm going to, of course, forget the exact numbers now, but between Ertz, Alshon, and Aguilar, in terms of red zone targets inside the 20, they were exactly split even, like same amount per, per guy. Wow. So the Eagles love to spread the ball around the red zone. They love to be unpredictable, and I think Goddard is going to play a big role this year in the red zone. Um, and let me actually throw an over-under at you, since I think we both agree Goddard played well. Yeah. O- or not an over-under. H- higher number this year. Games played by Timmy Jernigan. Or touchdowns, by, <laughs> or touchdowns by Dallas Goddard. 
Oh, interesting. So let's see. So Jernigan is going to miss at least six weeks and possibly more. So the highest number I mean, he not, can get not, is 10. Yeah. I'll, assuming, I'll still, assuming he starts on the pup, which we both assume will happen. Yeah. I'm not because I'm, I'm not fully sure that Jernigan's going to play much at all this season. Uh, right. Oh, man. Um, oh, man. I, I almost want to call it even, but I guess I'd be copping out. Yeah, come on, I could, man. Like, I could. Like I could, I could see Dallas Goddard getting eight touchdowns and Tim Jernigan playing eight games. Is what I'll say. Yeah, I, see, I think seven's the number for both. I think when you talk about both guys, I think seven is a good over under on touchdowns for Goddard, and I think seven's a good over under on games for Jernigan. But I kind of agree with you. Like the Jernigan thing to me seems like it'll be mid November. We'll both be being like, "Hey, like, where's Timmy Jernigan at?" Like, yeah, I remember him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I have a feeling that's where this is going. Um, so I, I would take Goddard in that one. But uh, like, like not to go on a tangent, but Jernigan like literally doesn't stand outside during the practices. Right, like. he's basically non-existent. Him and Corey Nelson just cease to exist. So, <laughs> I mean, the thing about Jernigan though is like they do need him because not oh, to, for sure not to get to uh, you know we can do kind of stock up, stock down on the whole defensive tackle position. Obviously, Fletcher Cox remains a beast, but you know, oh, he's well, insane. Yeah, yeah. Elijah Qualls jumps offside last night. Did have a quarterback pressure, but you know, a little bit of good and bad with him. Haloti Nada, the, the impressive thing about Haloti Nada is he ceases to exist while also playing all the time. Like, <laughs> I, I, I've, been, I've been waiting for you to, to do your annual uh, yeah. Haloti Nada track. You've, real- you, you've been down on him since the moment you saw him like limping into the press yep. conference at yep. his intro. And I've called it ever since. And I, again, team should have brought Bo Allen back. Like, they could really use him. I mean, I'm not saying Destiny. Destiny Vio does seem like he's maybe improved from last year. But, I mean, it's like – it's just mind-boggling that he's with the first-team defense over Haloti Nada. And the only reason I could think of is maybe they just knew coming into the season that Nada wasn't going to be able to play starter-type snaps. But, I mean, the third tight defensive tackle on this team does play starter-type snaps anyway. So it's just weird. Like, if they didn't start Derek Barnett, if they started Derek Barnett over Michael Bennett, I would kind of get it. Like, Barnett's a big part of this team young defensive end. Like, I can see why you would do that. But, like, who is Destiny Vial to get started over Nada, a guy that, you know, veteran player, like, they were debating on the radio whether he's a pro, I mean, a Hall of Famer, and I think there's a discussion to be had there. But, so he's either running with his second team because you just don't, I guess, want him to start, or he's doing it because he hasn't picked up the defense yet, but then why is he playing? I don't know. The whole thing is just so weird to me. Um, and it just it does not bode well for the defensive tackle position because to get back to the Jernigan thing, if we really think he's going to be a question mark, I mean, the Eagles' defensive tackles last year were really, really good, and it's going to be potentially an issue for them this year if Destiny is the same player during the season that he's kind of been so far in his NFL career. Yeah, you know, you, you talked about the Bo Allen thing, and we've been making jokes about Corey Nelson. Like, if it was about the money, then why not just not sign Corey Nelson and put that like two and a half million towards Bo Allen? Right. Like I, that that would seem would seem like a better investment than a, even you know not factoring in how Nelson has looked. Like he's a guy that has been he hasn't even been a starter in his career. I don't believe he had one season where he played quite a bit with the Broncos, but he's mostly been a special teams guy. And then went out and got Leroy Reynolds later on, who's looked better. So it it just it was like a. It, it was a black mark on Howie's like 2018 resume, which didn't have that many of them. But be careful you know there, buddy. Don't say. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a tiny little black mark yeah, that you're treading a very thin line here. <laughs> but uh, but 
like I know I know they're not going to do this, but like sh- sh- should they kind of cut Haloni Nana? Like, oh wow! Should he make, Welcome should he, to the should No he, Huddle Show podcast, Sports Rules, because that was I'm not, your hottest take so far. I, I don't <laughs> think they will, and I don't know if they necessarily should. But I just think like he's 34 years old. He if he's not if you can't get ahead of Destiny Vallejo, then we're like, what what are they doing with him? like why is he? I know he's a veteran, but they have veterans on that defensive line already. Like yeah. if if he, if he can't play, then I don't really know why he's here. Like man, talk about a good move for my brand. Hey, I need my my first hot take. I haven't yeah, had one we of go. those. Yet. We we officially have your first hot take. But man, talk about what would be good for my brand if they cut Haloti Nada. Like, <laughs> cool man. The retweet. It, it would be have. nice recovery after the Jordan Matthews, uh, you know, yeah, goings yeah, on lately. St- still too soon. Still too soon. <laughs> too but soon. no, I mean, look, yeah, the Haloti Nada thing does not seem like it's going well. Um. And it's potentially an issue. I mean, maybe he's just a guy that week one will turn it on and he's a veteran and all that. But it's just really weird. Like, if it would almost be better if he wasn't playing at all because it would just kind of be like, oh, they're resting him. But it's just it's just weird he's taking second-team reps. But, all right, anybody else you have in terms of stock up, stock down before we uh, look ahead quickly to next week and uh, wrap up this episode? Uh, since we kind of covered the whole position group, I think we should touch on the receivers a little bit. Because, I, I, th- I mean, that, there's a lot of guys that played, and not I feel like not a lot of them really impressed. I'd say Shel- Shelton Gibson pretty clearly is a stock-up guy. Yeah, uh, He looked really good, and his speed looks legit. He's getting close to lock territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he, he still has to continue to, like, be consistent, but the potential is, like, too good for – like, he'll get picked up by somebody if they cut him. Yeah. Uh, and, th- and then you have someone like Mac Hollins pretty clearly stocked down. I mean, like you said, you could rant about him for a full episode if you wanted to. Um Bryce Treggs, it was a, it was a mixed bag. They targeted him quite a bit. He might have been the reason why Nate Seffold threw that one interception, though. It's, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell from just watching it. And uh, you know, just a few of those other guys didn't really do much of anything. I mean, uh, Greg Ward didn't. I think got targeted once. And Rashard Davis looks like a, he could be a good returner, which might be his path to. If he was going to sneak onto the team, that would be his way of doing it. But what would you think of the receiver group? Yeah, I mean, I think it's they're lucky they have Ertz and Goddard. Because I think if you didn't have yeah. those type of tight ends, you would be looking at it and saying, all right, well, Alshon's not playing at all. And he didn't play at all in preseason last year. Well, he didn't play at all, like, really in training camp preseason. He got a little bit of snaps in both. But didn't have a great year until the playoffs. Um, Mike Wallace, a guy that I think they need reps with to get with the quarterback, to get on the same page, um, you know, didn't play last night, has kind of been in and out of practice. You have Aguilar, who's a sure thing at this point. But as you mentioned, I mean, you know, I think – Stock down on Bryce Trigg, stock down on Greg Ward, stock down on Marcus Wheaton. I mean, these guys had good starts to training camp and have kind of fallen off a bit. Definitely stock down on Matt Collins. So the Eagles are lucky they have these two dominant tight – I'm already calling Goddard dominant. The Eagles are lucky they have <laughs> these two uh, you know, really good receiving tight ends because they're going to need them early on in the season. Um, yeah, I think receiver r- remains a, definitely a question mark, especially when you consider, like I said early on, Wentz might only get how many – full practices with this full team i mean heading into atlanta so uh i definitely think that is an issue um so the eagles play the patriots next i kept thinking it was the browns super bowl rematch yeah good thing i remembered that because otherwise i would be flying to cleveland instead of boston <laughs> but that would have been bad um you know i was a little plenty of time to talk about that going to be the super bowl rematch um so people will write about that a lot this week but i don't really think that's a big deal um i'm guessing a lot of sudfeld again Maybe Foles a little bit, but I think uh, it's mostly going to be what we saw last night, and you hope to see improvements from Sudfeld. So, 
All right, we'll wrap this one up. Um, we'll try to get you on before next week for sure, and then uh, we'll have a post-game pod for you as well. Hopefully, we ran into some technical difficulties this time. It's the preseason for everyone, but uh, yeah, we will have that for you next week. And uh, Zach, I will talk to you uh, at practice tomorrow, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Talk to you guys.